Father, we just thank you for everything you did in worship, every heart that you've touched. Oh, Lord, we just recognize the best place we can be is in your presence. You begin to speak life and dreams and hope as we worship together, as we listen to your word, as we pray for each other. You delight to just reveal yourself to each one of our hearts. So this morning we're asking again for Holy Spirit-empowered encounters for everyone in this room, everyone online who's listening. We thank you that you are at work in us. You are faithful to bring to completion every good work. You are conforming us to the very image of your Son. You are creating in us a bride who is spotless and holy and radiant. And so, Lord, we look forward to what you have for us today. Just change us by your word. Change us in your presence and help us give you all of the glory. We pray all of this and everybody said, Amen, amen. Embrace yourselves. I am very excited about what the Lord put on my heart, and it really is a heritage that we have here in this house. And, uh, you know, the fundamental essence of our relationship with God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, is the ability to hear his voice. You can't be saved. You wouldn't be saved if you hadn't at some point heard his voice. Is that right? So there's no more critical thing in continuing that daily walk. I don't care what international ministry, I don't care how many salvations, I don't care how many dead you've raised. If you're not connected with Jesus, if you're not talking to and responding to what he's doing and saying in your life daily, then you can get so full, so far pulled off the center, can't you? Because it really is about our love for him and his love for others. So I want to talk about uh, not just hearing his voice, um, which is so critical, and making space to hear his voice, but today especially the focus is going to be sharing his voice, being generous, what God is doing, what God is saying in your life. The testimony you have about the relationship you have with Jesus is honestly the gospel. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to talk about what's going on in your life. The words that you're hearing from him, when you share them in an unfiltered way, have you guys ever seen anybody get absolutely blown away, wiped out, when you just share what God is putting on your heart in a simple way? You don't have to hype it. You don't have to exaggerate it. You know, I love what Paul Pauly was saying, that you know he knows he's doing okay if once a day he actually hears that still small voice. God speaks something to him. And it's like, come on, I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to walk that out. Is that right, Paul? You're doing good if you hear from God once a day. And I think God's calling us to something even greater. So the foundational verse for this message and for this principle is, I think, the most critical point in history. I've shared it before, and it really emphasizes for me the difference between trying to seek God in rule following and performance and religion that kills versus seeking God with relationship that heals. And so, you know, Abraham, the father of our faith, heard God's voice, and God made a promise over his life. And your descendants are going to be like what? The stars of the sky. And you know what I love about God when he, does, when he speaks a dream into your heart? He often will give you a physical representation of that dream. So he's like, Abraham, come on out here. See all those stars? And then God speaks a word. What do you think happened every night after that when Abraham looked at the stars? Whoa! 
My life has a purpose. God is moving. In my, he's all of these stars. It was a promise. And so I, I love that. And then God gets even more radical. Okay, here's what it looks like for a man to have a relationship with me. And then he wants to call a whole nation. And he wants to call them to be a nation of what? Priests and prophets. He wants everyone in a whole nation to have a face-to-face, intimate relationship with God that they're living out of. Can you imagine what a nation like that would look like? Well, God can. And so Exodus 20, 18 through 21 is this turning point in history where Israel is called to be a bride, an intimate nation, loving and responding to what the Father's doing and saying. And so starting at verse 18, it says, All the people perceived thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet, God's presence, that I, I inserted that, and the mountain smoking. And when they saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. Then they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us, or we will die. They saw the power. They saw the presence. And initially a form of reverence, of fear. Like, God is real. God is powerful. God can speak. And then their fear, their reverence got turned into the kind of fear that makes you draw away. The kind of fear that holds you back from even your destiny. And they said, Moses, it's too much. You speak to us. We don't want to have to what? Speak to God. And they didn't want to have God speak to them. They asked for a go-between, a priest, somebody between them and God. They rejected the very nature of the intimacy and the relationship God was calling them to, right? So what does God do when you make a decision like that? Does he coerce you? Does he humiliate you? Or does he respond sometimes to those boneheaded requests? We don't want to have to hear from God. All right. He gave, this was right in the middle of the Ten Commandments. He gave rules. Okay, you know, now you, you, be, you want Moses to tell you what to do and you're going to have to follow every rule he sets for you. Okay, good, let's give that a try. How did it work out, everybody? None are righteous. No, not one. By learning the rules and using all of your willpower, can you really become loving and righteous like God, like Jesus? It's futility. It's frustration. It's performance and striving. And by the way, what does it produce? Bitter people! I'm trying my best to be better than everyone else, and that one sucks, and that one's better than me. And All the comparison. All of the identity stuff that you get sucked into. Whatever sin I do, that's me. That's what God sees. That's what religion does. But relationship empowers. There's grace. When you're loved, you begin to respond out of love. You don't have to be told the law. You live the law. Instead of you know, falling in love with the law, you fall in love with the law of love. And nobody has to tell you what to do. Is that right? This is a really, really critical foundation. 
Because the nature of the relationship we have with God is to hear his voice. It should be our primary focus, our primary obsession. There should be nothing more important than what God is doing and saying in our lives this moment. Amen? And then John 10, 27. We know this verse really well because it convicts us and it brings doubt in some people's minds. Jesus said what? My sheep, they hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I don't want to develop this right now. I did in the last message. And by the way, Marilyn, thank you so much for the obedience and just sharing that word. Miko has been absolutely on fire on his message about love, don't you think? That love is not a feeling. Love is an action. It's what you do. And then what Marilyn shared, the lyrics from the song, it just like teed everything up and man, you drove it home. So if you didn't hear that message, I encourage you, it was I think two weeks ago. But the nature of sin is simple disobedience. God spoke to Adam and Eve. And he gave them one rule. Okay, you can eat of everything, but that one tree, just avoid that one. Oh man, there must be something about that one tree. You're right. So they disobeyed, what, the voice. And by that sin comes into the world. And death through sin. But by an act of obedience, Jesus then made it possible for all of us to be freed from the power of sin and death. And so what is really the heart of sin? Disobedience to the voice. What is the heart of living a full, blessed, prosperous life that brings God glory? Hearing the voice and saying yes. Just responding. I think it really is that simple. But how many of you, well, yeah, yeah, other sheep hear God's voice but I'm not sure if I do. I don't know if it's God. Is that my imagination? Do I really want to kill myself? Is it the devil talking to you? Is it you talking to you? Or is it the Holy Spirit talking to you? Is there a more important issue to get resolved in your life of how do I discern what God is saying? How? So I'm going to do a very quick look because the focus about this is share what you hear. But I do want to touch on the fact and ask the question, how do you hear? And for today, I just want to touch on maybe three areas very briefly. How do you hear? You hear his word. You have to know who he is, how he's revealed himself objectively. Yeah, I love that Miko you know, says, so, well, sometimes people are seeking a word from God. You know, God, I need the still small voice. I need a prophetic word. And then God will say, hey, I already sent you a letter. <laughs> have you read my letter yet? Because... He breathes on this. He speaks through this. He highlights what he wants to highlight in your life. You have to be in love with the Word of God. And it's not that we just want to learn the Word of God. We want to know the God of the Word, right? So he reveals himself to us when we approach him the right way. And so uh, one of my favorite month-long studies from the Bethel School of uh, Leadership was revelation and the word. And to be honest, when I saw that was the 12th month of our year of leadership training, I thought, oh, come on, you know, I don't want more head knowledge about the word. But that isn't what the emphasis was. You know, you have to approach 
God by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to what? To please him. You have to approach the word by faith. You can approach the word intellectually. You can study. You can memorize. You can know the principles. Or before you start reading the word, you just take aside a moment and say, God, this is your heart. These are your thoughts. This is your voice. Oh, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to breathe upon your word and speak into my heart what you want to show me. And I'll tell you, the word of God is not boring anymore. It's not some lecture. It's life. There are times that nothing strengthens, encourages, and fortifies me more than the word of God when I'm approaching it in faith. Can I get an amen? amen. Love your word. Know your word. Approach it in faith. And uh, I just, I really, I, I'm going to emphasize these three areas. So when it's approaching the word, if you want to do it in faith, um, I love soaking, as many of you know. I'll put on worship music. I'll, I don't know about you. Is your life busy? Do you get distracted? Is there stress or anxiety, anxiety sometime? I have to set aside time to quiet myself down, to say, shut up, world, and noise. I want to be with my Father. And so simple worship music, put on earbuds if you must, drown out the word. And then I just love when you approach the word in faith and you say, Father, what do you want to show me? And, and pick a verse and read it and reread it and read it again until the divine highlighter lands. So we were doing that at our old church during a Wednesday night soaking time. And I picked my verse, baby. I love Psalms 37.4. What were you doing this morning when you were worshiping? Hopefully, you became worship. You delighted yourself in God. You made those declarations, way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. You meant it. And hope would fill your heart. And then devotion is meant to arise inside of you, right? So we delight ourselves in the Lord. And what? As we're delighting in Him, He gives us the desires of our heart. Because we're sons and daughters. Isn't that incredible? But imagine an exercise where you're waiting on God and then you say, Lord, okay, I believe it. You're going to, as I delight myself in you, give me the desires of my heart. Father, what is a desire that you put in my heart? What is an area in my life that is your desire and is my desire? And by the way, if you desire it, and the Father desires it, what in the world can keep it from coming to pass? Is there anything on earth or in heaven that can prevent God's will from coming about for two people in agreement when his presence and power is available to you to accomplish the impossible? That's a good word. I mean, you should be encouraged just by that. I may not say another word, but I will. So I'm waiting on the Lord. Lord, what do you want to show me? What desire did you put in my heart? And I, to, it's, it still moves me, and it was so simple. I was honoring his word. I was wanting to breathe on his word. And I said, okay, what desire did you put in my heart? And he said, contagious adoration. What if you were so in love with Jesus, and it was so genuine and real, that other people like, Good Lord, God's good to you. Man, you love him with your whole heart. And it becomes contagious. I want to walk like that. I want to hear his voice like that. I want to be able to know him, right? I, for me, it just touched me. There's nothing more tender 
than just contagious adoration. And so it blew me up. I could tell a story about it, but I won't because I don't want to lose you. Uh, the other way that we hear God's voice is uh, the still small voice, right? Anybody ever hear something so clear? You don't think that way. You don't talk that way. You wouldn't say that about yourself, but you know that you know God spoke to you. You weren't even reading the word. Sometimes it's at random times. I don't know what's going on with God, revelation, and the bathroom, but I won't tell you how many messages were born in the bathroom, you know, because you're finally undistracted, you know, God. Maybe the shower, you're cleansing yourself. It's like, whoa, Holy Spirit, you're cleansing. I don't know. But there's a lot of bathroom revelation, and you get words that can set your heart on fire when it comes directly from him. And, uh, and that's what Miko would call the phone call where the still small voice just shows up in your moment of need and he says exactly what you need him to hear and everything changes. And by the way, every word God speaks to you already has the empowerment to fulfill itself when you receive it in faith. When you say, yes, God, I believe that's you talking to me about this. And I just encourage you even now, try to remember, think back about a word God spoke over to you. And by the way, they don't all have to be heavy rebbies and sensations and just like, wow, everyone's going to be so impressed with this word. Uh, years ago, Laurie and I were at Barnes & Noble, and uh, that's our idea of a hot date, a bookstore. And uh, I was just going through the shelves, and I found a book on centering prayer, contemplative prayer, the, the, the heritage of a lot of the Quaker churches out there. And God bless those Quakers. Man, they can be quiet in a service for 10, 15 minutes and wait on the Lord to hear his voice and then share what they're hearing with each other. And apparently some of those services will absolutely blow your mind because it's not just one talking head. It's, it's again, like what Jeff facilitated at our uh, intensive. I couldn't believe it. You spoke maybe 50% of the time, but 60% of the time, but the majority of it, or the other part of it, came from everyone who was there, and the Lord was speaking through each person. It was delightful, because we were all hearing together. It was, it was very, very beautiful. Ho! Oh! And so, uh, so I, I read that book on contemplative prayer, and I, th and I thought, wow, I don't want my education to exceed my obedience. I don't want to just read books without responding to them and letting them become what I'm going to do, Right? So I thought, well, maybe I should try this quiet prayer. And so I laid down in my office. Has anyone ever actually done no music, no distractions? Just lay down on your back, turn your heart toward God, listen with an open heart. Anyone ever done that? I'm just curious. Yeah? It's painful, isn't it? Doesn't, doesn't your brain wander? Don't you think, well, wait, I've got, I should write that down. Oh, my shopping list. <laughs> you know, and for me especially, I mean, I'm probably an ADHD undiagnosed kid inside. So I'm like, hum, hum, hum. I mean, I sat there for five minutes practically vibrating. And then finally, 10 minutes, I started to breathe and I calmed down. After 15 minutes, I was just in this really peaceful, quiet place. And then the still small, still small voice came. And it was my first time intentionally in contemplative prayer, waiting on the Lord, and you know what he said? You need to get over your caffeine addiction. I mean, that's the wisdom of God. How are you going to do contemplative prayer if you're vibrating because of caffeine in your system, right? And by, by the way, it was his mercy, because if I was going to do it again, I was just going to keep suffering. So I responded, by the way. It's okay, we'll get over the caffeine. 
So I, I want to, you know, it isn't always a wowie zowie. Sometimes it's so loving and so practical and just so relational, you know? Um, and I don't want to get into the whole thing right now, but many of you know who, that in Toronto at the Soaking School, we learned about journaling. And a different kind of journaling, not like, they were mean to me, and I did this kind of thing. No, not, not just the events of your life, but quieting your heart, being in that worshipful place, and then asking the Lord a question. And then learning how to quit talking and turn on your listener. You know, And you can practice it. And by the way, the biggest, uh, I've shared this before, but I have to, even now, I have to remember this. When the Lord begins to speak, do not analyze what you, is that me? Is that because Cheryl said that? You know, was it Paul? Did You know, I do. I start analyzing when God is starting to try to talk with me. And I go, where's that in chapter and verse? I'm a good Berean. I'm going to study the word. The minute you start analyzing what God is saying, you've stopped listening and he stops talking. But the minute you hear anything that may not even make sense and say, Lord, what do you want to show me about that? He can expand. And sometimes it is just you, but often he'll honor that heart and he'll speak right into your life. So, in fact, I want to read just a quick journaling thing. We're never going to get through this whole message. Good Lord, this will probably have to be a multi-part series. Miko can do it. It gives me permission to. So, how? Oh. But I want to read a re recent journaling thing because journaling has, for me, been one of the most critical ways that I learned to honor the voice of the Lord in my life. And, by the way, I like to do the most recent stuff. So that you knew it's this, you know it's not just a once a month or a once a week thing for me. I try to spend time with him, but this one was so beautiful. And I used to set the agenda, you know, Lord, I need to know this, Lord, I want that, and what about the other? And then the, it got to me. Wait a minute, I want to let the Lord set the agenda. I want Him to talk about what He wants. That's much more interesting, actually. So, Lord, what do you want to talk about tonight? And I heard, run. Okay, is that God? Is that me? Why run? Instead of that, Lord, what do you want to show me about run? And he said, focus on running the race. It will give you the motivation to spend more time with me. What about running the race, I asked. You would want to get in shape to be ready for opportunities that come up. You would see your progress and that will encourage you to grow. You will form habits that will keep you ready for the more. That is why you've been noticing runners lately. I am calling you to run, run to win. Man, you have no idea. There was so much on that for me. The best shape I've ever been in in my life is because I bought a little pulse meter that you put here on your stomach, and I started timing my times around Glendivere, run two miles in this time with this heart rate. I had no idea I was so goal-oriented, you know? And the last two weeks, I've seen people running. It's like, look how good that looks. Oh, they look so free. Oh, I want to run. God, I want... You know, I, I, really, it's been obsessing every time I see somebody running. And then God says, run? And I don't know if you struggle with the discipline for devotions and the time you should spend with the Lord, but what if you're planning on running a race? What if there really is a wave of God's glory coming and we need to get in shape? We need to get prayed up. Come on, let's run to win. I don't know about you, but that excites me. It's, it's not just vanity or for some empty purpose. It's for getting ready for God.
That's a great word. I should stop preaching right there, but I won't. So don't get excited. And the other way I believe we hear the still small voice, and I have many, many people, this is true. Um, there are times I come, even on Sunday morning, I still don't have the message. Sometimes I get it early, and that's always a blessing. But sometimes I'm like, ah, been a busy week. And I, I will get in the Word, I will journal, I will pray, I still feel nothing. So what do you know I do? Baby, I go in my worship corner, I grab my guitar, and I start to pour my heart out to God in worship. And I can't tell you the number of times that the outline for the message, I'm just, you know, sometimes hair sticking up on my forearms, I'm just delighting in God, and then all of a sudden, boop, 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 boop. It's like, holy cow, that's beautiful. And I'll tell you what, when you hear a simple thing like that from God, and then you take a step and respond to it, come on, that flows. That, it's just delightful, because now you're playing follow the leader instead of trying to get him to follow you. That's right. Come on, Lori. You're encouraging me if nobody else. I love that. So there are times you hear that voice in worship and you can seek him that way. I do want to also, the, the last one, is seeking the Lord and hearing him through other people. Do you know how critical it is to be in relationship? If you're isolated, come on. Proverbs is very clear. The man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. You're only going to be as good as your own perspective and abilities if you're living alone. But you have other people in your life who can speak into your life and things can just continue to grow and you're looking not to have Teresa Smiley tell you what to do, but to hear God's voice through her and go, wow, I know you don't even fully understand, but that just blew my socks off. And so... One of our intensive, we had Gary Hemingway, our old worship pastor, come, and he was teaching at the intensive, and Lori and I were still in the process of, are we going to buy a house? Are we going to get a mobile home? Should we get a, a fifth wheel? Are we going to get our own place? Are we going to get a place with, you know, our, our son? And she was tormented. She was tortured over what are we supposed to do. And Gary Hemingway just did a very simple teaching, and one, he touched on the one verse that encourages the children of Israel to dwell in the land. Set some roots. Just be present, you know, in your life and in your situation. That's a good word for anybody at any time. But for Lori, hearing it through another person, it just, boom, went so deep in her heart that all of the torment, all of the confusion, it literally, it broke it like that, didn't it? And this profound peace flooded her heart because she got a word from the Lord through another person. And my main heart and message today is we should want to be that for other people. Our hearts, if we love God, then we are called to love those he loves and to be able to bring peace and comfort and direction, encouragement, edification. These are all the words that are the New Testament calling for prophecy. Is that right? So, we're not even going to be able to go through everything that I wanted to go through entirely today, but I want to provoke you to really begin to press in and pray that not everyone is a prophet, not everyone has the office of a prophet, but we can all prophesy. We can all hear God's voice and then just share what we hear and entrust God to bless, encourage, heal, strengthen, empower, 
Why wouldn't we be about that? How? So I'm not going to do the whole teaching, but I'll focus on one Hebrew word for prophecy because prophecy is so much deeper than the little narrow way we think about it. But my favorite word for prophecy, I think, is natoph. Natoph means to drip, to distill. It's like the dew of heaven. It's like a spring rain. Before Job's fall, he said that the words that he spoke to people settled on them like the dew of heaven. His words were so empowered by God that they germinated the seeds in people's hearts. They found themselves refreshed and revived by a not-off prophetic word. Man, if you love people, you should just want your words to come like a refreshing rain into people's lives and germinate the seeds God's planted there and watch them grow into the fullness of fruit that they can delight in and God can be glorified in. Are you, I want that more and more. And that's just one word for prophecy. So the last, ver well, I've got two verses, two endings, maybe three, but uh, the verse that blows my mind concerning all of this, and I, this is a much bigger teaching, but I just can't do it today. I love 1 Corinthians 14, 39. You know, there's that whole list of gifts and everything, but it says that we are to earnestly desire to prophesy. I mean, of all of the different gifts, you should really be hungry, like, oh, I just want to be a life giver with my words. And by the way, if your heart is in the right place, you're not trying to show off. You're not trying to prove that you're significant. If you say, God, I just want you to be as good and better to other people than you've been to me. I want what I say to them to bring hope and encouragement and comfort and consolation and edification, and, right? My heart is fully for that person. Do you think God can get inside of that? Do you think he might just want to bless you if you really want to be a blessing to others? Come on. Let's get some nodding going. Let's, yes, of course, God wants to bless other people through your life. In fact, that verse in the, New, in the King James, it says, covet to prophesy. Anybody remember that word? It's kind of ironic. It was the previous thing in the Ten Commandments where it said, thou shalt not covet. It's a sin. For, for me to desire to take something that Jeff has that he's benefiting from, and I'm going to take it from him, and I'm going to keep it for myself at his detriment, that's coveting at the heart of it. And God's like, no, no, no. Because God is not a zero-sum gain God. There's not a limited amount of grace or anointing or provision. He's got it all. But it is a sin to desire to take something away, except for one thing. What's that? Prophecy. If somebody is prophesying and you see it, you go, oh, I want that gift. I don't even care if Tracy can't pray that way or speak anymore into my life. Too bad, Tracy. I'm taking your gift of prophecy. God's like, I like that. Steal prophecy from whoever you... I mean, it almost gives you that permission. It's pretty crazy, don't you think? Why? Because God is about building other people up and being on their side. So... Fresh revelation from today, and then I'm going to offer... Oh, you know what I should do? I asked the Lord if he had a word of prophecy. Are you guys getting tired of, Christ, of classroom Christianity? Where you hear about all this stuff, but you never get to see it? I'm so dissatisfied with that. I, I, I want to, to learn the right things, but then I want to begin to activate them and move out in them. 
And I know I've been obsessed with that for a while, but I'm not going to stop. So if you don't like it, tough, because I'm here. So I asked, and um, John, by the way, welcome. You have a first-time visitor. And he knew it was going to be a rowdy service. He wore a life vest. So he, he walked here, and he didn't want to get whacked on his way to church. So I think it's going to be better if you get whacked in church. So I asked the Lord if he had a word, and he showed me you. And what I saw at first was a, a light green young fern just starting to grow. And I heard the word green. And then I said, okay, well, what's that about, Lord? And he said, oh, John is entering into a new season of growth. Green is the season of new life. Green is the color for the season of spring. So we're, we're entering into the fall. But John, you're entering into the spring where God is establishing new life, fresh growth. That's what the green was all about. Oh, and especially in your walk with him. There's, he's breathing on that in a very unique and special way in your life, maybe in a way you've never seen before. And he gave me a verse for you, kind of like the stars of the sky. You can uh, hold on to James 4, 8, and it says, draw near to God, and he's going to draw near to you, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek. And your reward for seeking him in this season of your life, you're going to get him. Not gifts, not empowerment, your relationship with him is going to increase in ways that will be stunning, I believe. Can I get an amen on that? So, Lord, we bless that word. We just uh, thank you for our brother who's here today. And let this be a season of spring growth and life like he's never known. Breathe upon him. Let him hear your word through your word in his still small voice moments, in worship, Lord God, and through other people. Let this be a rich season of awakening for John. We bless him, and we just bless that season of drawing near to you and you drawing near to him like he's never seen before. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. Just bless that. How? <laughs> yeah, I don't, are you clapping for John? For the, I don't know. So I want to end on this. and we'll, we'll get back to this some other time, but... Uh, today, I was doing my daily reading, and 1 Thessalonians is one of my favorite books, and that's what I've been plowing through, but I've never seen this before. 1 Thessalonians, I'm actually going to read from 14 to 21. Uh, this is about the conduct, the behavior of a disciple, of someone who's really walking with Jesus. What do they look like? What do they do? How do they operate? 1 Thessalonians 5.14 I urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly. If there are people who are coming to divide, to bring destruction, gossip, slander, rumors, you don't just let them go and destroy a community or a family or an individual. You confront them. You admonish them. You, hey, whoa, fighting on the wrong side right now. You know, Jesus is not an accuser. Jesus is an intercessor. So admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Is that powerful? Doesn't that sound like it just flows from the very heart of a, of, that loves God and loves others? See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Are you going to be able to defeat the enemy with his own tools? Can you really repay evil for evil and think you're going to win? If it looks like you win, you're still going to lose because you've changed sides. But this verse kills me. Rejoice always. 
Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Jesus Christ. Do not quench the Spirit. Don't let the flame of your faith go out by grumbling or thinking circumstances are bigger than God or thinking God can't. When you face a challenge, just say, thank you, God, you're with me in this challenge, and watch your faith grow. But I'd never connected it to this next part. Do not despise prophetic utterance. What? Is there a tendency to question, to despise, to want to throw off if God speaks into your life? He, he spoke to me years ago and he said, Charlie, you have not honored my word in your life. And I knew he wasn't talking about the word because I love studying the written word of God. He was talking about the still small voice, the prophetic words that came from others, you know, the revelation that I was getting from the Word. I didn't write them down. I didn't pray around them. I didn't ponder them. I didn't absorb them and let them become not just what I knew, but what I believed and what I did. I'm still responding to that Word today. And I think that's part of what he means. Don't despise it. Don't ignore it. Don't take it for granted. When God is speaking prophetically to you and through you, embrace it, love it, desire it, covet it, Do not despise prophetic utterance, but examine everything carefully after the interaction. Hold fast to that which is good. By the way, as you're growing in this, some people are going to give you clunker words. Words just coming out of their own soul. It's their own maybe good desire for you, but it really the Lord isn't breathing on it. But then there are other words. And how many of you love Miko's prayer every time before he preaches? Lord, Everything that I pray that comes from you, let people receive it. And everything I pray that is of me, let it fall to the ground and only let them uh, hear a good message. I love that. That's a little self-serving too, by the way, but I don't care. Uh, you guys aren't responding right to that. I mean, that's a, that's a funny prayer. I only want them to remember the good stuff. But that's what we do with prophetic words. God, let me embrace and honor what's good in this word. Amen? Amen. Ha. Huh. So I'm going to just pray a quick prayer. There are several protocols and verses. I will say this very, 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 very last thing. Revelations 19.10. It says that the testimony of Jesus, anything that magnifies Jesus in your life, anything that draws you closer to him is the spirit of prophecy. So uh, Lori and I are going to make ourselves available like we did last week, and we saw people just get empowered and filled and confirmed and blessed, and it was beautiful and it was fun and it was enjoyable. So we're going to pull up a couple chairs. We'll put two chairs in front of us. Anybody who wants to receive a word or encouragement in that way, we're just going to take our time and pray for you. And before we do that, I just want to release a level of faith and anticipation you know, because we don't want anything other than the testimony of Jesus going out from this house because the testimony of Jesus is all anybody needs in reality. So, Father, we thank you so much that we're your sheep and we hear your voice, that our relationship is built on us pouring our hearts out before you, but, Lord, even more, you pouring your heart into us. So we just come against that thought that I don't hear the same way, I don't know if it's God, I don't hear his voice. In Jesus' name, we just break that stronghold of thinking and we release the expectation that we were created to hear your voice. We are designed for encounters with you and for you to 
be able to allow us to confirm what it is you're saying and for us to embrace every good word with our whole heart. And so I just release right now a level of faith for everybody to receive. I speak that word that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We don't want any other spirit in this joint. Holy Spirit, just you, reviving, encouraging, upbuilding, and comforting your, your sons and daughters that they can be everything you've created them to be and help us be part of that magnificent work you're doing of sharing your voice with each other and help us share with others what we hear and sense that you're saying and doing for each other. I ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.